Hello, and welcome to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us today as we jump in to our series called Deconstruct, Reconstruct. Join us as we unpack what it means to have authentic faith. Deconstruction is breaking stuff down to the foundation. Reconstruction happens when we know who the true foundation of our life is. Get ready. God is on the move. We're going to hop right into it here today. Um, How many of you, like, if if you'd be honest, like, have been in a situation where things escalated pretty quickly, right? Like, it's like you thought you were joking, and then all of a sudden, they, like, have that one-liner. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? And I didn't know we're at this level now, right? Um, So for me, I'm the oldest of three boys, and in our house, wrestling, you know, kind of really showed what was inside, right? Like how we really felt about each other. Um, I'm the oldest of three boys, and in eighth grade, I was part of a traveling basketball team, and my younger brother, Steve, uh, who's the athlete of the family, he, you know, he always played on the same team I did, just was just, I had to work to make the team. He showed up, made the team, right? So we're there, and I'm eighth grade, he's not, and it's cool, it's fine, and we're at our coach's house. And also, like, at the time, WCW, like, wrestling was that deal. And, of course, like, every young boy, we wanted to practice all the moves. And we saved those certain moves for when adults left the room. We're like, oh, now I'm going to try this one. I'm going to try a Stone Cold Stunner now. Now now I'm going all out. And I watched in this moment. Now, you need to know, I'm, I'm a peacekeeper. Okay, like, I'm, like usually if, if there's a fight, I'm the one going, hey guys, uh, who do we need to talk to? Like, hey, help me understand. Like, have you been holding on to this for a while? Can we like redistribute the anger and energy? Like, I, I'm not gonna be up here and say like, I, like I'm a boxer, okay? That, that ain't me. I'll instigate something, but I, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. But I watch as this eighth grader who was a center on our team, meaning he was a tall guy. He hit puberty before everybody else did, okay? And so he picks up my little brother, who had not gone through puberty, all right? And I'm watching this from across the room, and he just did, it was like the pseudo slam, just boom! And I felt this feeling. I'm like, what is this? What am I feeling right now? Is this, is this anger? It's like, I, I saw, like, everything starts to blur, and I'm running towards him, and all of a sudden, I just felt myself leap in the air, and I'm just like, mind you, I'm tiny as well. I'm just, ah! I started screaming and just wailing my hands, and you would have thought, Okay, like, right, like, I would have, like, someone would walk out and go, like, yeah, don't touch my brother. <laughs> Me, I walk out going, let's go, Steve, you don't need to be here. I'm like, wait, Phil, you didn't get, like, nobody slammed you, but why are you crying? I just, that, it just came out. But how many of us have been in those moments where life seems to be going well, and all of a sudden you get that bill in the mail that you didn't expect? You get that phone call from the principal about your kid, you're like, not again. You have that phone call from the family member with that news. And all of a sudden, life invites you into a wrestling match. And the things that you said you believed all of a sudden begin to come out as you step into this wrestling match of doubts and unbelief. You see, we might claim God to be a good God, but what happens when we find ourselves in a season where he doesn't feel that good? What happens when we sing songs about God being the firm foundation, but then there's a season where everything beneath us feels to be shifting? What happens, as Pastor Nate talks about this, uses this illustration a lot, that when the cup gets tipped over, what comes out? That we could shine the outside of the cup, we could have all the accolades and successes, but what happens when the cup gets tipped over? You can say God is good, you can sing that he's a firm foundation, but what happens 
when life calls you into a wrestling match? What happens when faking it feels easier than being honest? What happens when walking away from something feels easier than facing the truth? Even if it's decisions that we have made, decisions that have cost us, situations that we had no control in, but we could be a part of this, the solution. But what happens when it's easier to be fake than to be honest? What happens when it's easier to walk away than to face the truth? We're going to be looking at a text here in the book of Mark chapter 9 um, that I really think captures the human emotion that... Um, deals with this when it comes to these wrestling matches, the things that we don't know, the doubts, the fears that come with this. Um, I love uh, this, this story that we're going to be diving into. For those of you that are new to the Bible or kind of questions about faith, still trying this thing out, uh, just to give you a little preface. The Bible's broken up into two sections, Old and New Testament. Old is before Jesus shows up. New Testament is after Jesus shows up. I would encourage you, if you're new to the Bible, start in the New Testament. If you don't know who Jesus is, the Old Testament can be a little weird, Okay. And so it's probably good to know who Jesus is, and that it helps begin to put some of the other pieces together. Um, and in the New Testament, there's the first four books that's known as the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to give you a little bit of a character reference of just kind of like, okay, well, like, what's this about? Like, why? Are, I love that it's four different perspectives of the life of Jesus. Matthew, who's a businessman, like, you could tell, like, he would, you would want him running your books, all right? In current day, as a CEO, he, like, you could see the details, like it's the, the lineage of Jesus and all these different details. John was the artist, the creative. It's for God so loved the world. You see love popping up all over in like every chapter. It's, he was the feeler, right? Luke was like that smart guy, that smart friend you have that you're like nervous to say anything wrong because you don't want to sound dumb, right? Like Luke was that doctor background and just had a great outlook on that. Mark, um, best way to explain it is like Mark, just think is like if Mark Wahlberg was a disciple of Jesus, Mark, I mean, it's just like, man, you just hop right into it. It's just like demons being cast out, people being hit, blind, being healed, like just left and right. Like Mark, it's intense. And that's the book we're going to be in today. So Mark chapter nine. Shocker, you pastor picks that one, right? So Mark chapter nine. And what's happening as we step into the story of what Jesus and his disciples are doing, Jesus has just come down from the mountaintop um, where he had taken a few of his disciples with him. And had this moment where he his glory was revealed, and just like he is the Son of God, he is this deal, and so it was just this amazing moment. He comes back down, and there's commotion. And how many of you know, like you come back down, and you know, you start hearing like 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 yelling, screaming. You're like, ooh, like parents, like we all have that moment when it goes silent. We're like, oh, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Or then you start hearing the scream. You're like, okay, I'm like it's a whole other thing. So Jesus comes down the mountain. Here's this commotion. We're gonna pick up. In verse 17, because afterwards, there was these people coming to him. They're saying, Jesus, we, we want, we, we brought this boy to be healed. Like, God, Jesus. And there's like, all, like, they're instantly coming to him. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You're like, whoa. So Jesus goes, what? <laughs> right? Verse 17. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit and won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him into a violent, or it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds at the teeth, becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they could not. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. When you begin to unpack the text, you see that Jesus, it's, it's a, this overflow of this weight of sensing just the sin and the brokenness in the world and kind of coming to this point of going, how long must this go on? Sensing what was and what could be. 
So the story continues on. Jesus said, they, or so they brought the boy to Jesus, and when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. The boy fell to the ground, wreathing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked. The boy's father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit would often throw him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us if you can. If you can. Now, for the parents in the room, you can, we can resonate with this. When you feel like you've exhausted all options. I just, I don't know. Just, I, I don't know what else to do. If, if you can do anything. And Jesus' response, what do you mean if I can, Jesus said. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw him into a violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took the boy by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Now, I want to highlight one of the human emotions I think that's really captured in this story that I think wherever you're at in your stage of life, whether you're single, married, dating, far from God, close to God, young adult, teenager, that we can all relate with on this. So this father comes to Jesus, and, he said, and Jesus says, all is possible for those who believe. And this father, it says, instantly goes, I do believe. And I think if we translate that to today, we go, Jesus, I want to believe you're as good as Pastor Nate says you are. I want to believe that you're as good as those songs that we sang earlier are. I want to believe that you are who my friends say you are. And you hear this in the Father going, I want to believe. But one of the things we as humans get hung up on, Jesus, I want to believe. But I had this one church experience. Jesus, I want to believe. But I saw this pastor on TMZ and they had this article and there was this thing and, and all of a sudden we get to the spot like, oh, I want to believe, but look what this person made me not believe. And we'd be, we're real quick to be all of a sudden again like, God, look at them. I want to believe, but I just, you know, God, you get it. You know. But this father, he does a different response. He goes, I do believe. I want to believe. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my doubts, the things I don't understand. Help me in my unbelief. I think one of the reasons we end up at this place where we're, maybe we can't get to the spot where we bring our unbelief, our doubts, our fears, our concerns to God is because there's a deficiency in honesty that we have within ourselves. And you're like, well, what do you mean by a deficiency in honesty? It's this inability to be honest with ourselves. The situations we find ourselves in. Or you're like, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, this, the church doesn't talk enough about this. But if we be honest, we haven't opened up our Bible to see what the word of God says about that. Oh, like, oh, but man, you know, there was that person. There was that person that they said this at one time. It's like, well, what was their name? Oh, you don't remember. Oh, like, was, or, but you haven't said hi to your neighbor. You haven't been the good neighbor. But all oh, this situation, you know, I'm trying to get in shape. I'm trying to do this. But you're not honest that Taco Bell at 10 o'clock at night is not the best idea. It's not Taco Bell's fault. It's not the bell. It's the bell. 
I think there's a meme that it's a little older, but I think captures this pretty well when it comes to this emotion. It's this uh, dog in a burning room. And if you see his response, this is fine. I think all of us maybe have a friend or two, maybe a family member. Please don't point them out if you're sitting next to them or at them on the comment section online. Let's not do that. But we're like, oh, this is fine. This is good. But if we were to be honest, if we were to be honest, I don't agree with that set list that they did, but yet we have failed to listen to any worship music that brings God glory this week. We haven't been honest that maybe the things that I'm digesting, the things that I'm listening to are leading to this deficiency in honesty. And so there's a couple questions I just want us to consider as we try to move to a place where we're like this father, we go, I want to believe, help me in my unbelief. I think there's some questions that we can consider. And I love questions because it's no longer like a point that's saying you do this. You're just saying, I am forced to go home and wrestle with this, this question and go, where am I at? How am I gonna handle this? And so the first question that we have is, is there a lie that I'm believing to be true about God? Is there a lie that I'm believing to be true about God? Uh, Several years ago, my wife and I were back visiting her folks in Erie, Pennsylvania. And like we do when families get together, we start to go down memory lane. And so we found this Disney princess book from their Disney trip, and it had all the signatures from Snow White and Cinderella and Jasmine, and Ari just begins, just like, oh, I remember this. Oh, this was such an amazing trip. This was so great. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. We're like living in the moment. And then all of a sudden I hear a snicker, like, I look over in the corner, I'm like, what? And it's her dad. He's laughing in the corner. I go, well, that's weird. And so Audrey and Audrey, him in, in Italian fashion, they just, we talk about it right then and there. And so she's like, why are you laughing? And he goes, Audrey, I got to confess something. I wrote all those signatures in the book. And she's like, what? He's like, I wasn't waiting in line to get the princess signatures. No. Your mom went and got you ice cream. I went around the porta potty and I just started signing Cinderella, Pocahontas, Jasmine. And the look of shock, like, what? Because even as this grown woman, she's like, I have been leaving a lie this entire time. And I mean, it was quite, it was quite an ordeal. And my wife let me know after first service, she goes, I'm still triggered by that, by the way. Okay, like <laughs> prayers of the Johnson home are appreciated. But isn't it true, though, like there's, if we were to, once again, be honest and go back, you know, sin, it stems from wrong beliefs. Sin stems from wrong beliefs. And when we look at when it comes to who God is and what we believe to be true about him, that, like, we have to be really careful about that. Now, I'm going to have an illustration here in a moment because I don't think I could have spoke here on a Sunday morning if I did not have an illustration on the stage. I'm not cooking anything like Pastor Nate, but I do got some, some fruit, so... Um, so I hear it because you're like, well, how can you believe a lie about God? Like, what, like, what does that look like? So there's three questions we look at. Who am I? What has God done? And who is God? So let me take you through this. So the who am I, if you be, begin to believe a lie about God, the who am I? Well, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. And, and we begin to go down this rabbit hole. And then, well, what has God done? Well, I heard God did this, but you know what? I don't really see him present in my life right now. I think God is disconnected. I don't think he's done enough. That's why I have to do more. That's why I have to go and work this way. That's where I have to go control this. And then who is God? I don't feel like God is present. 
And the scary thing about fruit, as we begin to believe these lies, it produces fruit of like stress, worry, anger, bitterness. And we'll hide it for a while. Like, ah, it's not that big of a deal, but fruit reproduces fruit. And there's some of us, we wonder why our kids wrestle with the same things that we have hidden for years because we've never dealt with the root. We wonder why our friends and, and things begin to spill out into friendships and work relationships. But what does it look like then to believe on the truth of who God is? See, who am I? Well, I'm a, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of Christ. I'm a masterpiece, as is spoken of in Ephesians 2.10. I was knit together in my mother's womb. What has God done? Everything. What has God not done? You look then even in Philippians 2 with Jesus, it says that he didn't see his status of, of equal with God to be something to cling to, but that he came and put on the skin of humans to live a sinless life, to die the sinner's death so that you and I might have hope. What has God done? Everything. What is God continuing to do? Everything. Who is God? Holy. Love. Good. And the fruit that begins to produce as I've spoken of in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Fruit don't lie. You might know all the words to the songs. You might know where to find the verses in the Bible. But our life will reflect and model that which we truly believe more than our words will ever do. So my question, is there a lie that you're believing to be true about God? Our second question, we're gonna hop in here. Has my doing for God come from a place of being with God? Has my doing for God come out of a place of being with God? <coughs> Pete Scazzaro has a quote, the state we are in is the state that we give others. You cannot give to someone else that which you do not possess. The state we are in is the state thing that we give others. Now, I wanna go back to the story in Mark chapter nine with his father and if you're looking at on the human side, or how we probably would have been processing that, you're looking at the doing side. It's, it's the, we've done everything for our son. If he's bringing him to Jesus at this point, I can imagine as a, as a parent and as a human, he's exhausted all options to try to get his son the care that he needs. We've gone all of the doctors. We've gone all the physicians. We've done Young Living. We've done doTERRA. We've done anything. All right, we've gone all, but like, just why hasn't anything happened? And haven't we done that? God, I've had all the checklists. I've done this. I've given to kingdom builders. I show up to church. I serve. Why haven't you done this? Almost as if God owes us. But you know what I have found? It's interesting. In those times, there's a lot, of, a lot of moments and in seasons in my life, I've realized I'm carrying weight that God never asked me to carry. And there's a lot of things I'm doing that God never asked me to do. There's even things, the weights I'm carrying, Pastor Nathan asked me to carry it. I would admit, in those moments where I step back and as for, uh, Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. It's in that stillness that you begin to have these conversations. God goes, so who asked you to carry that? It wasn't me. Is it that, uh, that family that you follow that has all the fun vacations? Is that the weight you're carrying? Is it that coworker that got the promotion over you that even though you thought you earned it and deserve it more than he did? Is it that person that keeps letting you down and you feel like you're responsible for it? Is that the, because I never asked you to carry that. 
And a lot of times we find ourselves doing for, trying to do the things for God, but never being with God, never knowing his true heart. And the scary part is if, we, if our doing for God doesn't come from a place of being with God, we will resort to become human doings rather than human beings. Has your doing for God come from a place of being with God? Now, what draws us out of this? Now, there's a few things that I think draw us out of this place of stillness of being with God that um, whether, for me, I'm all three. So if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm only one of them, cool. Glad that you're farther down the road than I am. I'm all three on this one. Um, the appearance of success. The appearance of success can draw us from this place of stillness. Um, success, I mean, if you look at, there's a market for affirmation, like, I mean, when you look at social media and algorithms there, people are rewarded for success. They are highlighted for putting the best foot forward, for showing a highlight film and a highlight reel. There's a market for affirmation. The second one, um, there's this allure of progress, right? Progress is addicting. For all of my gamers out there, you know this, right? Like there's the XP, there's the next level for even on cell phone games. There's always like, okay, I got to beat this person. There's always a score. And then like when you have progress, you're like, oh, I have to do more, I have to do more. Even in working out, when people with diets and running and stuff like that, you start to see the progress and you're like, oh, I need to double down. I need to do more. And there's this allure of progress. And if it's hardwired into us, it's something that we need to be aware of. But there's also then the third one. So the first two, it's the appearance of success, the allure of progress, and then the attraction of certainty. Everyone has that friend that knows everything, right? You start to say something like, oh, I know, I know. But also there's this attraction to certainty in the sense of how can I remove risk from my life? Because I want to be certain that this is going to work. I don't want to fail. I can't fail. I can't, I can't put myself out there like that. And we, we will spend so much effort and time trying to remove risk just to make ourselves look better, to make ourselves look a little bit more successful, to have a little bit more progress. But if we'd be honest and we could all look back at seasons, because moments like that, he usually is drawing us farther and farther away from the person we need to be with. Has your doing for God come from a place of being with God. My last question I have here for us to consider, I'll invite the keys player to come up because that is a sign that the pastor is almost done. First two questions we looked at as we're unpacking the story of Mark chapter nine. We're looking at uh, just the previous one is my doing for God coming from a place of being with God. Is there a lie that I believe to be true about God? Our third and final question we have here today Am I tapping out when God is asking me to tap in? Am I tapping out when God has asked me to type in or tap in? See, back in this story um, with this father, and once again, it's, I'm not saying this happened. I'm, I'm looking at the human emotions in these moments. As his father was explaining to Jesus that from birth, the spirit would, take hold of him and try to throw him into the fire or try to throw him into the water would try to kill him. We've all had friends that have made decisions, family members, siblings, children that have made decisions that were like, man, I just, that's gonna hurt you. And we've watched not being able to do anything. It's one of the most helpless feelings. 
So this father, I can imagine, hearing Jesus is coming and having someone possibly ask him, are you going to bring your son to Jesus? If this father was to tap out in human condition, human nature, human emotion, you might hear phrases like, we've already tried all the other options. I can't go through another failure again. I can't go through another letdown again. I can't go through another season where I'm getting my hopes and expectations up just to be let down. I just, I can't do it. And those phrases, I think if we would, to be honest, we can relate with. There's been things we've faced, I just can't do it. I can't tap back in. I'm done. Faith, I've, I don't know if I can do this church thing anymore. I don't know if I can do this following Jesus. I, I just don't know. I've been so hurt. But we see with the Father, what does it look like to tap in? It's the thoughts of, I know we've tried this, and I know we've gone through all this other trials, but I think Jesus just might be the real deal. I think Jesus is better than anything we've tried yet. I think Jesus just might have the answers. And we see that the father taps in. He brings his son in the middle of a crowded area, watches him even before Jesus heals him. I can only imagine the inner turmoil, watching his son throw himself around on the ground again before Jesus kneels down and steps into the story. It's amazing because I think there's so many of us, we miss these miracles in our own life because we tap out too early. You see, it's in this wrestling match with God. It's in this wrestling match that we begin to discover parts of God that we don't discover on the mountaintops. It's in these moments as this father, he comes, he goes, God, here's my unbelief. I don't know why my son's like this. I don't know why this didn't work. I'm scared. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm stressed. But help me with my unbelief. And he brings it in and he taps in. And we see what God does with this. We see Jesus begin to perform the miraculous. Now, I share this not as a, like this raw, raw, like, well, pastor, have you gone through this? I'm like, and I'm here to share. Man, I, I sense this. You see, growing up, um, I'm the oldest of three boys, grew up in a, uh, a pastor's home. Uh, my family, my mom and dad, absolutely love them, big fans. Um, they had their own ministry, and uh, the ministry in South Minneapolis and North Minneapolis for 30 plus years. They're still doing it today. It's amazing. And I remember coming, like, coming of age, middle school, high school, I got to see the good pastor. I also got to see the bad. I also saw the ugly. What people, not people of faith, but humans, what brokenness can look like. And I saw as my parents would pour out time, energy, our home, finances that we didn't have, just so that people could hear about Jesus. And I remember there's a, there a tipping point. When I, I noticed we had like the same meal multiple days in a row, and I'm like, Dad, what's going on? He's like, oh, well, 
The check just never came in the mail. And in me, it was like a trigger. And I said, God, after all they've done, where are you? How could you let this happen? People that they're reaching out to for you, that claim to know you, that claim to love you, and this is how they treat people that come to share? This is how they treat people that you have sent to share hope and the gospel? I don't want it. I'm done. If this is it, I can't deal with it. I'm going in a different direction. I was ready to tap out. But I'll never forget walking down the creaky stairs of our basement in the South Metro. And here crying. I go down, and every morning, these people that I was upset with, these organizations, I hear my dad praying for them. Not just like praying, like some of y'all like have some parents and grandparents that like, they pray, pray, right? Like there ain't nobody in the world but them and God. And he's praying, calling on the angels of heaven. And I would sit on these steps. And I'd listen how he would pray. Because I was angry. I was mad. I didn't want to give them a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. No, done. And as I was on the ropes ready to tap out, I sat there and I learned what it looked like and sounded like to continue to tap back in. To continue to tap back in. We celebrated my dad's 70th birthday uh, early. He turned 70 this week. And my mom put together this book that people wrote stories in and what they thanked my dad for. Over a quarter of the people wrote, that wrote in this book were people I was mad at at one point. I'm glad I didn't tap out and I'm glad I didn't have Instagram or Twitter back then, right? It was just MySpace. <laughs> saw the fruit of someone who continued to tap back in. Mark, thank you so much. I would not be where I'm at in my marriage, in my walk with Christ without you. And we sat there as a family and we looked at these stories. And I was just challenged because then the other room, I had my seven and my five-year-old are wrestling. I felt the Holy Spirit just go, stay tapped in. The generation behind is watching. They're in the crowd. They're watching how you wrestle with these tough questions, these doubts, these fears. You gotta stay tapped in. First Corinthians 15 or 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. I believe God is wanting and is constantly at work wanting to do a new thing. But I think there's a lot of us here, we have missed out on the new because we've tapped out. I think there's these new things that God is wanting to do, but we have to continue to wrestle. We have to continue to say, God, here's my pain. God, I'm hurt by how this has been handled. I'm hurt by this individual. God, I have doubts. I have questions. But we can find faith and we can find uh, truth knowing that the very hands that hold the stars in place 
can handle your questions. The very hands that formed this earth can handle your doubts. That the very one who knit you together can handle anything you bring to him. But the question that we see with this father in Mark chapter 9, I do believe, I want to believe, God help me in my unbelief. Can you do that? Can you do that on Monday when you don't understand the business decision that was made? Can you do that on Tuesday when you get the report from the school? Can you get, do that on Wednesday when you get the medical report that you weren't expecting? Can you do that on Thursday when the taxes didn't line up the way you thought they were going to line up? Can you do that on Friday when the family member calls with the drama that you weren't expecting? Can you bring all of that to God and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to handle this, but you do. But you do. Why? Because I know who I can go to. I know what God has done for me. And I know who God is. And I'm going to bring all of it. Not just some of it. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. God, I'm bringing it all to you. Because God, you can do more. Infinitely more than I can hope and dream. Can we all stand here as we get ready to close here today? Um, we're gonna get ready to go into a song and I love having this portion of the service at the end where we can go into and celebrate and focus in on who God is. We're gonna sing that song, Firm Foundation, one more time and just declare once again that he is the foundation of which we build on. It's not a podcast, it's not a worship set, it is the word of God, the truth of who God is and we're gonna to begin to sing that out and declare that because here's what, I don't know who needs to hear this today but your sin can't defeat God's grace. Your mistake is not greater than God's mercy that he can show. His love covers a multitude Multitude. And so what we're going to do is this, we're going to begin to step into this moment and across the room, we're going to begin to send it back to locations as well. And in this room, if you feel comfortable, and would you just lift your hands with me right now as a sign of surrender to God, whatever you brought in, whatever those doubts you came in with, whatever those fears that you have, whatever pieces of anger or worry or stress, we're just going to give it to God right now. Heavenly Father, as we go back into this song, God, we declare that you are good, that you are holy, that you are worthy, that God, you are strong enough for this, God. And then, Lord, as his father came and declared, help me in my unbelief. God, we look to you, the author and the finisher, Lord God. That, Lord, that you would continue to download that strength, that, God, where we might feel like we need to tap out. God, and you're inviting us to tap in, God. We tap in right now to what you are wanting to do in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that you were encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org to find faith community or additional resources or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We're excited to see what God is going to continue to do. The best is yet to come.